listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. I'd like to start this episode of the podcast by giving a public apology. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few episodes ago on our episode around ambiguity, we had a listener of the program email us, ask a question. We talked about the question, but in that same episode, Jasmine made a big mistake. (laughs) We uh, referred to this person almost instinctively, embarrassingly so, as a male. We said, he. Yeah. And it turns out this person is not a male. And not only that, but we should just not have assumed that. Yeah. And when um, she so kindly reached out to us and gave us that feedback, um, I was like, man, we we didn't do that. And I listened back to it. It was literally me. (laughs) And I am so, so sorry. So, 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 so sorry. And I have to own up to that. That was wrong. And I, it, it, it matters to me because I, you know, I talk a lot about a gender equity and the thing that, that I didn't do it is, was I, you know, care about somebody's pronouns. And I made an assumption, not based on anything. I didn't even know the listener's name, but I made an assumption that this person was a male. And I said he, and we went with it. Um, and just the lesson learned in my case was to think a little bit more on that. And in the cases where I don't know, use, you know, they and there. Um, but I just wanted to say, I'm sorry. And that was a mistake and making that mistake will make it more conscious of me in the future. And even, um, even though it wasn't intentional, it doesn't mean that, you know, feelings weren't hurt. So publicly, I'm very sorry for that. Yeah. Thanks, Jasmine. All right. And uh, for those who are listening, who have been listening to the last few episodes, Jasmine is still under the weather, but we're going to go ahead and give this a go. So today I want to talk about the topic of hosting design workshops. Design workshops. It's something that I think many of us will have to do at some point in our career. I'm trying to think in my head, like, is there ever an instance where someone who's a designer would never have to host a workshop? Well, you you might participate in, would would like a non-designer does your PM host a design workshop? Yes, sometimes. What is design? <laughs> what, is, what is a design workshop? <laughs> That's a, it's a great starting place. When, when we say design workshop, how is that different than any other type of workshop? Or maybe a better question, what is the difference between a design workshop and a meeting? Ooh, what do you think? The first thing that comes to mind for me is that a workshop has a very clear uh, expected outcome. and usually Doesn't a meeting? Uh, not always. I mean, yes, it should have an outcome. What <laughs> Are I mean talking is, about good meetings or bad meetings? <laughs> we, we've done an episode on this. It's a it's a tangible outcome, I think. And the the emphasis of the workshop is getting a group of people together, often cross-functionally, so not just designers, but also engineers, product managers, etc., to come together and try to brainstorm or ideate or Solve collaborate problem. in yeah. real time to move like something forward, right? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd index on the um, in real time rather than the outcome because I would say like meetings have outcomes, they should have outcomes. But the workshop is actually some place where you get together and you get work done. Uh, and it's less of, you know, whatever your typical meetings are, presentation, showing things, um, having discussion. It's, it's, it's a little bit more of getting your hands dirty. Right, it's like- Towards a, the outcome. It's actionable. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a meeting may or may not be question mark. I, well, I, I don't think it's actionable. Actionable would mean you'd take action on it afterwards. There is action within it's, it's actions. Anyway, 
<laughs> I do think we're that, terrible at defining things. We should write a, a dictionary definition of all things design. It would not get you anywhere. I love that idea. <coughs> I think anyway. Okay, we're getting derailed. Okay, back on the subject. So uh, a workshop in my mind really is about that collectively coming together in real time to to work together on something. Yes. Whereas a meeting might just be a review process or uh, information sharing, planning, so that. It, you know, a meeting is actionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, a workshop is, again, action. action. Cool. Cool. Uh, so what's a design workshop? In my mind, this encompasses everything in the design process. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is when we look at like the stereotypical design process, the double diamond or something similar, mm-hmm. you've got stages that you have to go through as a designer, as a product designer in particular. You have to start with uh, ideation, thinking about the problem space. You have to research. You do discovery. You come up with some ideas. Um, so again, you go you go broad. You start to uh, focus in on one or two of those ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that any stage of that design process could potentially be a good design workshop. Mm-hmm. Defining the problem, defining the solution. Right. And it's something that you do as a group. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't always need a workshop. And maybe this is a good next question for us is when do you when should you do a workshop versus just you know tackling the the design process yeah i mean i think we typically like when i think of a workshop it's bringing folks together to accelerate something and so i'm already you know going ahead to like the first thing people are going to think about when they think about workshops is design sprints which are sort of end to end we you know in one week you can look at an end-to-end design um process of solution or um sorry problem area problem definition all the way through to solution and that's one example of a work workshop um and it comes from jake knapp's sprint book i actually i've read there was another version of sprint i don't have any information on it but it just reminded me to look it up um but there are other kinds of workshops like and i think of examples of um you know at the beginning when you're sort of defining what a problem is we can actually you know, researchers or designers as researchers might do workshops with customers to actually understand problems and or co-create solutions. Um, brainstorms are another kind of workshop. A jam session might be another kind of workshop, more on the solution end. But in my mind, it's when you need to get more people's perspective, opinions or skills together in a room in order to accelerate something. Mm, okay. Do you disagree? You kind of I'm thinking deeply about this, and for those who are maybe new to the podcast, uh, welcome. This is our typical Hi format friends. where we just kind of talk about stuff. talk about things off the top of our heads. And so, when it comes to workshops accelerating things, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree because the well, actually, let's dive into this. Okay. the The common response <coughs> to that may be. If you get more people in a room, that's actually going to be slower because you have to coordinate calendars. You have to get people in the same ah, in the same context. I would put that in the how of workshops, not the when. <laughs> Expand on that, please. Well, like I think of like, when do you pull together? Like if I think of when is like when we need to accelerate or when we need more perspectives and more perspectives should us accelerate. The how would be, well, how many people do I need in a room who should I bring in? It's more of the logistics and inclusion and planning question mark. I could see that. I could also see workshops being really advantageous for or just aligning a group of people, which yeah. is immensely important, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, it, well, alignment by nature, nature accelerates. Ooh, look at you getting all fancy with your terminology, but you're right. Yes. Uh, the, the long-term 
play with any kind of workshop is to move faster because part of the reason for that, if you go in, go at it alone, or if you just tackle problems as a designer or a design team, you're going to miss out on things. You're going to overlook things. You're going to not consider the technical complexity or the business strategy or, or something is going to go amiss at some point or expectations will be different with what you deliver. And so when you bring people in, you cover a lot more ground because you have a lot of different perspectives. You also get alignment because people are involved in that brainstorm and that workshop. They're moving things forward together. So I think, I guess I'm, I'm making a face now. And the reason is I think you can get, you can bring people together, bring them along and make sure you don't miss things without having workshops. And I think that there's like a collaborative process that doesn't necessitate a workshop. And so I can get alignment by writing a really great strategy doc, making sure it's sourced and it's opinionated and it's within, you know, the strategy of the the business. And I could have everybody sign off on that based on my independent work and that might get alignment. Um, I can be collaborative by showing work and critique and getting other people's opinions on it, but it's not necessarily a workshop. So I think that like why, you know, in a, and maybe this is debatable too, but in a like, a synchronous moment where people are working together with collaboration with an intended outcome. What does that specifically do? What do you mean? Like the, the things that you just said about like bringing people together, getting alignment, I guess I'm not seeing that as like specifically workshop. So here's how I think about this. (coughs) It's the same mentality I have around meetings in general. Often you don't need a meeting. You can write an email. You can send a Slack message. Mm -hmm. You don't need to get people in a room and use their time, right? However, when when are meetings helpful? When would a workshop be helpful? Well, it's when there's going to be something contentious or when you need to get that that alignment, that collaboration in real time, right? And so like really this is in my my personal perspective. Gotcha. So I I actually think that's important to call out because I think that's an elaboration on when you just said. And it's when the normal tactics might not work might t- take extra time and contentious is actually it's a brilliant use of a workshop to bring people in when you know there's going to be stakeholders with different opinions um, or that it's going to be hard to get people to get eyes on something asynchronously or in meetings um, or if you need people to feel bought in because they ha- they want to contribute um, I think those are all sort of um, maybe spoken or unspoken reasons to have workshops that end up being really helpful. Right. Exactly. Okay. So we've got some kind of intentionality, some purpose behind the workshop. Let's say we're working on a, a, an overhaul of our products navigation, or, uh, we're trying to understand a new problem space, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now you're coughing. Sorry. I just lost my voice. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a, a polished show. <laughs> okay. So you've, you've got the intentionality. What do you do next? Well, the very first thing I think is you clarify that purpose. Ideally, you write it down somewhere uh, because that purpose is what you're going to have to keep coming back to regularly throughout the workshop and before it. And when you think about the next questions that you're going to have to address, uh, the next few questions, for example, might be who needs to be in that meeting? Some people are going to have more opinions, more power, more sway, more um, uh, responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love where you're going. So I like, I'm just going to sort of ad lib on your first step. So the first step is, um, the purpose. So, you know, why, why are we bringing people together? And it might be able to define X problem or solve X problem. It could, it could be organizational. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, 
it doesn't necessarily have to be design work. Like I, I, whoa, did I just expand the scope of this? I probably did. I often think it like we've workshopped things like our organizational design, which actually is kind of design, but you need, you need to get, you need to get an outcome of something. And I think you also need to then say, why is a workshop better than another format? So I think that's like purpose. I think there's, it's kind of twofold. One is like the content of the workshop. What are we going to solve? And then why this format of a workshop is the best. Right. And one thing I want to throw out here too, is that when it comes to (laughs) workshops and the differentiation between a workshop, a meeting or an email, workshops are ideal for really deep focused work. Deep focused collaborative work. That's right. Okay. Okay. And then the second part you're talking about is, okay, now we've decided that the workshop, we're going to solve this thing through a workshop. And then the second thing is like, who is going to solve this? Who and when probably? Actually, so yes. But the more I think about this, I think that the very first thing you ask, of course, is purpose, like we said. But the next thing should not be the who or when or, or why or how. What? The question that you should look at next is, okay, well, what is the structure of this workshop going to be? How might we approach tackling this challenge? Because there are a lot of different types of exercises, especially in the design space, you could use to effectively explore the situation, right? There's affinity diagramming, there's storyboarding, there's journey mapping, there's, you know, the, the Yeah. Yep. And and so I think this goes back to like we're solving this thing. What's the outcome we want from the session? We're solving this yeah. thing, um, or we're we're exploring this thing or whatever it is. And we believe that hands-on collaboration is going to be best because, you know, for example, it'll move us faster or it'll prevent um, contention. And then what is the outcome? And maybe the outcome is like, you know what? We want a bunch of different hypotheses that we can test. That could be an outcome. Mm -hmm. Or the outcome is we want to have all of our stakeholders aligned on the path forward. Um, Or the outcome might be um, we want to get from point A to point B in our refinement. And so we want to actually make decisions. We want to be able to come out of the meeting with a decision on X. So I think you define your outcome, excuse me, and then we plan, you plan the strategy to get from thing you're working on to the outcome of that thing. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, I think the Nielsen Norman group has a great resource on this exact subject. It's it's the five common types of UX workshops, they say, and I'm going to quickly read through the five. They're, they're very short. Uh, There are discovery workshops, Mm -hmm. which are meant to communicate the current state and create consensus for milestones and plans. Mm -hmm. The second type is empathy workshops, help a broad team or stakeholders understand and prioritize user needs before designing, designing a solution. Third, design workshops, which rapidly generate and discuss a wide set of ideas with a diverse group of attendees. The fourth one is prioritization workshops, meaning build consensus on which features customers or other stakeholders value Mm -hmm. most. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, a critique workshop. Ensure that design decisions align to user needs. I don't know if critique is a workshop. Sorry, Nielsen Norman. I I could see it being one, but let's not go down that rabbit hole. I mean, maybe. (laughs) So, okay. You've got the audience. You've kind of got the objective. You've hopefully thought through the structure. It may or may not fall in line with one of those five types that we should identified. I think after you've done those things, now you can begin to look at, okay, who should really attend this based on this format, based on the problem we're trying to solve? Who are my stakeholders? Who has a say in this? Who has an opinion? Who's going to have an opinion? Do you plan your, do you 
choose your attendees before you plan activities? I was thinking the other way around. And the reason for that is because if you know the problem, you should have some sense of what type of activity it will take to help get some resolution on that problem. Sorry about that. Uh, and therefore, that should inform who should be able to attend and who contribute to activities and then to attendees. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Okay. Same page. <coughs> so at that point, you've got a high level purpose. You've got your strategy. You've got hopefully a list of attendees. Uh, real quickly, though, let's talk about attendance limits, because I think that really mm. matters a lot. There's the common saying, too many cooks in the kitchen. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Yeah. Can we go into activities before we go? Oh, or sure. are you going to go, go back oh, no, to let's, activities? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, I, I think when you have outcomes, like for example, if you want to generate solutions, um, or if you want to understand customers, those make, those might make for very different attendees. If you want to understand customers, you might actually invite customers to come have sessions, mm -hmm. you know, and, and maybe it's more of a focus group. Um, I don't, I don't know that the focus group would be the only piece of the workshop, but it might be a session within a workshop. Um, if you wanted to have solutions generated, you probably would say, oh, designers can generate solutions. And there's probably some, some like assumptions that are being made that, you know, if we're in discovery, we might only want researchers, but if we're in, you know, execution, we might only want designers. And I think the, the, the activities actually may or may not inform the attendees as much as we think. And so I, I am trying, I think what I'm trying to tease out here is, um, do you need certain people to run certain activities? And like the shorter answer is yes, but the long answer is like, who is involved in this project? Yeah. I, uh. Like for example, <clears throat> ever had engineers sketch out solutions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the answer should be yes, but like in a design workshop, we might not think to include them. And so like listing out your activities, I would sort of suggest doing that and also your attendees and perhaps being agnostic of the type of activities and more the, um, more probably the, um, the outcome. Yeah. I, I think that's there's a, something in my head that I'm not getting out really well. And I'm sorry. We, we'll keep working through it because you may be onto something. My instinct says, uh, it's, it's better <coughs> to focus on the workshop type and the activities towards the outcome that you want mm -hmm. and then backtrack to the people that maybe need yes. to be included. Yes. But I think that you're right in that if you explicitly look at just the activities, you're going to admit people who probably need to be part of the conversation. Right. Right. And, and so maybe like, let's just talk about activities for a second. So within those different kinds of workshops, the thing that you want to do, not thinking about who's going to do them is figure out what kinds of activities bring the right outcomes. Right. And so that might be things you, you mentioned things like affinity mapping. Um, we've talked about, like I, I mentioned like focus groups, there's sketching, um, and sketching can be like, you know, the whole sprint process with crazy eights and then refining and then prototyping could be another version. Um, there's pri we talked about prioritizing being one. And so like, you know, the activity might actually be like brainstorming a list or calling from existing materials and moving them around. And what is that sort of prioritization exercise? And so actually figuring out what multiple exercises, um, might actually get towards the same result. And so like, if we think of, of generation, um, there's probably a ton of different ways to drive a workshop. I've seen some, actually some content designers, um, run some really awesome, um, vision workshops in with completely different prompts that they made up 
like, you know, having us tell stories about people, um, versus, um, or having us walk through their day or like write a review for a restaurant based on the experience that they had, if we're looking at like restaurant booking software. So I think there's like, the thing is like, there's probably an unlimited amount of ways that you can create activities. And I think that's really important that you actually consider really customized activities for whatever workshop. Mm -hmm. And the way that you land on those activities is again, looking at what your objective is, what do you need to get out of this time? And then trying to uh, identify where in like the design process you are with this challenge. Are you trying to diverge, which is idea generation, in which case, you know, you get people in a room and they can storyboard a story or they can just write on sticky notes. You can do dot voting. Or are you trying to converge an idea? Are you trying to pick the best from a series of options? In which case, a critique with a cross-functional group may or may not apply. Um, but you're right. Like identifying where are you in that design process? Are you trying to hone in on an answer? Are you trying to get consensus? Yeah. And and I mean, going big on problem or solution, I think there's, there. I mean, there's something like if we're trying to make a decision, like maybe critique is one, but maybe you actually want to do something like, oh, we actually have to figure out our evaluation criteria together. And so you need to create an exercise that says, what is our evaluation criteria? Um, or maybe you need to figure out, you know, decide on what metric you're going to measure something by. Um, and so how do you, how do you look at, look at the space? And so I, I think there's, um, I think there's just so many different ways that you can bring people together. And then there's sort of like standard things that we do in groups. And I, I think my, my advice would be to, you know, look at, standard sort of workshop tactics, but don't be afraid to deviate them and customize something that works for the scenario. Like ultimately you're getting, because we said you're getting like a bunch of people synchronously in a room. What are the things that feel amazingly better when you have, you know, X amount of people's hands on deck working on the same problem? How do you use that as a multiplier? Yes. <laughs> really well said. I completely agree with you. A common mistake that I see people make here is trying to do too many things in one workshop. Meaning, we talked about this a minute ago, mm. the real emphasis, the real meat of a workshop is to go deep and focus. You're not going to be able to do that if you're trying to both go broad on a subject area, like ideation, generation, and then also focus all within the span of an hour. Because you're just not going to have enough time to really dive deep into any of those things, to have those healthy discussions to explore. And so that's another thing to consider when it comes to workshopping. What is your primary objective? What do you need answer to now? And then here's a little teaser. What happens next? That can be part of your workshop. The last, you know, 10, 20, 15 minutes, whatever of mm -hmm. the workshop can be, okay, we've, we've made this progress. We've got I, I generated ideas or we've honed in on problem sets or something. What happens next? Well, let's discuss that as a group. Maybe it's the design, the designer or the design team is going to go off and uh, synthesize that information. Maybe it's taking that information to customers for, for additional brainstorming. Like there are next steps that you have to keep in mind and you don't need to do it all in the same session. Yeah. And I think, um, plus one, there's also like, what is a work? I mean, if this kind of goes back to what is a workshop, is it a one hour session? Is it, is it a bunch of one hour sessions? And I think there's flexibility for what you need. You might need one activity and that's it. You might need multiple activities. I think particularly because, you know, back to my belief that a workshop is meant to accelerate something, it's usually time boxed in that, you know, it's going to be three hours or, um, you know, a week or one hour or half an hour. <clears throat> and I think one of the most valuable things that as a planner and an activity chooser of a workshop 
you know how to a moderate and b and that we'll probably get into that when we talk about choosing people and what roles people play but also being able to be flexible and i think what i found a lot of times sometimes when you choose activities they either are really good and they go too long and you don't get to the next step or they kind of bomb and being able to say to still have your eyes on the outcome and understand how you can tweak an exercise and, or an activity or substitute an activity when something um, comes up is really valuable to sort of have in your back pocket when you're choosing activities. I can give an example, but I'm, I'm <coughs> hoping that you can as well. Can you give go an example it. of what no, you just... No, go for it. Uh, so an example that, that I can give here is if you're planning to do, let's say, a, a workshop for idea generation, you want to get people in a room discussing and brainstorming possible solutions to, to a problem that your team has. And then suddenly you find that there's a global pandemic and you can no longer get into a room. Now you need to change that activity, mm. right? <laughs> yeah. And so the, the principle of that activity is still idea generation, people coming up with ideas. But now instead of like sitting in a room with sticky notes, you need to find an alternative to that practice. You should not be afraid of saying like, how might Slack solve this problem for us? Or how might Figma help us generate ideas through this? Or what other tools are available to me? And so the activity slightly changes, but the core principle, the need is still there. The audience is still there. Mm -hmm. I was, <coughs> excuse me. I was thinking about one where um, we had done some um, evaluation of the space and we were looking at refinement of our possible um, focus areas. And we had some executive leadership in the room and they couldn't agree. And so while the exercise was designed to get alignment, we couldn't actually get alignment and being willing to say, you know, okay, let's pause this. I still have the same outcome of the workshop, which was not only getting alignment on this piece, but actually working forward to a proposal. We have to come up with another activity in order to get this alignment. Um, and I actually don't remember what we did to move that forward, but that might be something that comes up where it's, it's just not working and you're like, okay, cool. Like we need to in insert another activity here that maybe backs up and, you know, maybe we needed the decision-making criteria. Maybe we needed to have a values discussion or something like that. Yeah. I like that. So to, <laughs> to continue the conversation, uh, what I'd like to do now is kind of give a few examples, a few additional examples of workshops that we've either participated in or, uh, hosted or, or ran mm -hmm. um, to kind of demonstrate a little bit of everything what we're talking about and hopefully start bringing some of the pieces together. So I'd love to start by talking about a workshop that I recently ran um, with my leadership team uh, around our design principles at the company. We're a small design team, but we felt it was really important to get aligned on what our principles were for the design execution. And this is interesting because this actually isn't a design process thing. This is an org example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we use the design process for it. Yeah. Spoiler. So. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way that we, we thought about this was I, I sat down and with the design team and I said, okay, why do we need design principles? What's the value of having them, et cetera, et cetera. And we just had a, a really regular, healthy conversation about it. Uh, and I captured notes from that conversation. From there, we, we said, okay, clearly this is important for us to align on because we need our team and the rest of the company to understand what are the trade-offs? Why do we make certain decisions? When do we need to push back on things? And when can we like let things go? in the design process. Uh, if someone shares a design and someone just doesn't like it, do they have something that they can point to to say, we all agreed that this is not good design or this is great design, right? Uh, so we document those things. Then I went back and on my own, I just kind of came up with a, a strategy for how we would tackle this workshop. 
And I decided that we would do a few exercises within the, an hour long time. And I decided on who would attend this. It would be everybody who is on the engineering product and design team uh, at the highest levels. They were need the exposure more than anybody. Um, and so then I, I scheduled an hour and I just wrote a bold list of here's the kind of exercises I think that we can do to start teasing out things. And the first thing that we did would want to do in this workshop is idea generation. We want to go broad. We want to understand what are the possible principles that this entire company could kind of have in their heads at any good moment. And so I, I wrote that down. And then I said, once we have those ideas from the team, what would we, what should we do with them next? Well, we need to like break them down, find thematical areas from those Group conversations, them, yeah. et cetera. But that next stage of like th themes, I decided I would do outside of the workshop. It was going to be too much work. So we got everybody together, I scheduled an hour for us, and we spent about half an hour individually just coming up with what we call, um, what was it? What's the term? Uh, not even, not even mm. uh, statement, not even over, I think. Uh, even over, yeah. Even over, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so what that meant is that each individual person kind of went off on their own and in a document, a text document, basically said, you know, I, I would love for us as a company to prioritize craft and polish even over speed mm -hmm. or I would like us to uh, prioritize conventional design patterns, even over innovation. And so we got back as a group after that exercise and we shared those out and we talked about them and we listed them all in a big, big document. And now we had all these leaders who contributed to even over statements, meaning we saw what everybody valued in design and we discussed them openly. We asked questions about it. We, we probed, what does this language mean? How do we really uh, define this? And we kind of broke, broke down those notes. At the end of that session, I basically said, great, now the design team is going to take this and own it, meaning we're going to go and synthesize the themes. And from those themes, we're going to identify a few key principles that we think we can align on. Uh, and so we decided to go and do that. And we, you know, we effectively shared out our progress as we discussed it. And at the end of it, we landed on five core themes that became our design principles. That's a great example. I was trying to think of a, of a non-sprint um workshop that I've run, but I think one of my favorites workshop was actually a design sprint. And that was, um, something I, it was funny. I ran two back-to-back -back sprints, like maybe within a, an, a month period. And one was super successful and the other wasn't. And it was, had nothing to do with planning. It had everything to do with, um, the content and how ready we were to make, um, any decisions. And, and one was sort of like super exploratory trying to figure out like, could we get some product market fit in another space? What was the opportunity? And another was trying to make um, some focused decisions based on the area we were already working in. <clears throat> I'm trying to think if there's any like like strategic workshops that I did as an IC um, or any sort of like I've I've know a bunch of my uh, um, teammates who have hosted like generation workshops and things like that. Um, I don't know if I, I think of those as working, some of the generation things as more working sessions and more jam sessions and just normal collaboration. Um, okay. I feel like we have, we have to elaborate on this. What is the difference between like a working session or a collaboration and a workshop? Yeah. I have an idea. Tell me. I think it's the strategy that goes into the workshop, the session. Like the planning. It's the planning. Yeah. It's the planning, the outcome, the possible activities, the defining the audience, defining roles, who's going to take notes, who's going to moderate. Yeah. Like I, I, there are some like collaborative working sessions that I, that I think were more for fun. 
that come to mind, which is interesting. And one was like, we were, I, w- I was an IC on a team and we were interesting in rebranding. And so we all came together and worked for a couple hours and we just like went crazy with like, you know, style, imagery, type, color. And we sort we sort of had a structure to it in that we were like, all right, everybody go for 20 minutes, come back and talk about it, and then go for 20 more minutes, come back and talk about it. But there really was no like, it was more um, exploratory and fun and seeing what design could do than accelerating something. And I think that's maybe, I don't know why I'm so stuck on the accelerating piece, but the, the work we did was throwaway work. Um, and it allowed us to stretch our creativity a little bit, but it actually didn't have a purpose in moving our product or our projects forward. You make it sound like workshops can't be fun. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're having fun, congrats, you're not doing a workshop. <laughs> If you're bored, <coughs> if you're bored or stressed, that's a workshop. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely no, not the case, I, right? I mean, yeah. And of course you can use creativity and have fun with your teammates. But I think, and, and I guess I'm saying there was sort of planning in both of them, but like one is really rigorous. If we don't hit this outcome, we need to adapt. We need to call it quits. That's one way of adapting. We need to change up some activities. We need to schedule follow-ups. Um, but the ultimate goal, like we, we are not successful if we don't reach this outcome. And sometimes with jam sessions, it's like, cool, we didn't reach an outcome, but we like had fun or we learned a lot or we like explored some different things. Um, I love this. I'm like, I don't know. So, uh, yet again, I, I, I just pulled up my phone and, um, I wanted to reference another Nielsen Norman group resource. Um, this one is called, let me see here, uh, planning effective UX workshop agendas. Wow. That's a title, but they have a little chart on here that I think is really, really applicable to exactly what we're talking about here. And the, the chart is this map of what a workshop really entails. And there's six key stages. The first three are called workshop planning. They entail what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. What's the question you need to answer? What questions must be answered? So what are the questions of that question? And third, how will we get the information to answer those questions? The workshop itself is step four and Mm -hmm. it's just titled execute, get the information. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's post workshop, process the workshop outputs and take action. We just need to post this instead of podcasting about it. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, at least I hope that it's good for people to hear us talk about it, particularly with our years of experience. And uh, I think it's kind of even fun to hear established leaders uh, such as yourself talking about your perspective of what a workshop is. And even though it's something that you and I have done probably hundreds, if not thousands of over our career, we've never actually had anyone sit down and talk to us and say, here's like a really healthy format for a workshop. Here's what it means. Here's how to do it. Like it's kind of just organically picked up by us. And what I hope is that through this podcast, through new layer, listeners can get exposure to the conversations that I, I think we wish we had had early in our yeah, careers. And it's so funny. Like, even as I'm like, I, I can come up with a bunch of examples, but I have a really hard time saying this was a workshop and this wasn't a workshop, but I love that definition. It's like you're planning to get information and then you're getting the information in order to do something. Yeah. And it's about that collaboration, that real time, that plan of attack. And so kind of mm. uh, to wrap this up a little bit, I think going back to some of the examples you said that were a little more fun and ad hoc, I think you can still consider those workshops. Um, 
to some degree. If it's just a group of people who are like turning their chairs around and being like, let's whiteboard some stuff, that's probably not a workshop. But if there's a little bit more intentionality behind it, if you're pulling in cross-functional peers, if, you, if you're trying to get answers to things, that's probably a, a reasonable thing to call a workshop and really have some strategy behind it. It really makes me wonder in now more of a remote world and I remote sometimes assumes asynchronous. I don't, I mean, I think there's, it's, it's harder to get in a room and actually like work on the same piece of paper, or the same whiteboard. And maybe, you know, a lot of folks will go back to how it was and, and some folks will evolve in different ways, folks meaning businesses. Um, but yeah, what does it look like to workshop when we're not in rooms, when we're not in person, when we're not working at the same time, when we're working across time zones, things like that. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, I really thought you were just going to go with async. Well, async is not. Uh, they're like the remote approach, but really, is it possible to have a workshop when people aren't in the same time? I mean, having had a lot of experience in this, yes, it's like you, if you're, if you have a plan, you can, I, I would assume you could say like, here are the steps we're going to go through. You share that plan. You may just par- be participating at different moments. Like, you know, if you're generating a bunch of stickies in order to have, I was thinking of a brainstorm we did on privacy um, once at Facebook and I hosted it. it was with a bunch of engineers and it was so like, it was just such a collaborative moment because we really like saw where the heart of the team was. Um, but you know, in, in reality, like when we were at Facebook, we were, um, we walked outside and like did some independent work and kind of sat on, ta- you know, sat at, around tables and came back together into a conference room. Like why could, if there's independent work, that independent work can still be done independently. That's sort of alone thinking time. There might just be more space between the coming together and maybe the coming together isn't actually in a meeting. Maybe it's just in a, Hey, we need to make sure, um, we review this by, you know, the end of the day. And then we're, instead of having like everybody like group things together, maybe we have one person do a grouping and then we all align on that and make tweaks or give feedback. So I think there's ways to evolve that. I think you're right. And it, it reminds me of a workshop that I'm about to run, actually, kick off tomorrow, um, where I'm taking a group of individuals from the company and we're evaluating some information within a Figma file. And it's not designed. It's like text and things. It's kind of mm-hmm. boring. Um, but we're doing that collectively. And then we're going to go separately our own ways and apply emotions to each of the information, meaning does this make us excited? Is it angry, et cetera? And then we're going to come back again late at a later time and say, how do we each respond to those emotions? Were there any themes for each of this data? And I'm going to actually do that with a bunch of different groups within the company. And so it's like a very large, massive workshop, but it's been split up into very tiny workshops. And part yeah. of that exercise is kind of ad hoc. Now that you just reminded me of another workshop that I just, I hosted not too long ago, I was running a roles and responsibilities workshop to understand, um, with the three design leads within my group, what are our roles and responsibilities? And there was actually a play an activity that Atlassian has that I ran. And I set that up in a Figma board, just like I would a whiteboard. And there's probably no reason that we couldn't have done that asynchronously. Um, they're, they're like the, the thing that we did have, um, synchronously was sort of moving things around the, on the board and, and having a discussion about it. But in, with, with good written communication, we may have been able to do that asynchronously too. It also reminds me, <clears throat> and I wish we would have, I would, this would have come to mind when we were talking about activities is like Atlassian calls them plays and they have a playbook, um, that has all sorts of activities for all sorts of different things. And so, um, running a play is kind of interesting when you're thinking of <clears throat> just a mental model for when you bring the team together 
And when you choose a bunch of things to do, like if you think of a, a football game, the coach is going to have you run a play and everybody's going to come together and they're going to try and execute on this thing. And if it gets you closer to the goal, like literally the goal, um, then that's great. And if it doesn't, you sort of reset and run another play. And so that might be a helpful mental model. I love that. So really when it comes to hosting a workshop, think of it kind of like a play, not a play, like a, a stage play. But a play, as in like a sports playbook. An act in the play. No. Ooh. Uh, because that really can, I think, help you conceptualize what it is you're trying to do, who should be included, and how will you know if you're successful or not. All right. Well, yes. that's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in and listening. As always, if you want to learn more about the podcast or, uh, fingers crossed, support us in this podcast, you can go to newlayerpodcast.com. Okay. All right. Until next See week. Yeah.